I want to ask you a question this morning. I want you to think about this. What is the most generous thing that you can remember happening to you? Just think about that for just a moment. What's the most generous act that you've received? I would hope that for each one of us we've had something that's happened in our life where we see, wow, that was some pretty amazing generosity on the other person's part to be able to do that. Um, I've been, I was blessed to be raised in a, in a Christian home, and uh, my mom was ridiculously generous. My mom was too generous, and I'll be honest to say that. She was, she was generous to the point of going, okay, mom, you, you need to stop. My mom was so generous that at one point in time, my dad pulled me aside and said, don't mention any needs you have around your mother, okay? Because she's going to do anything she can to do them, and sometimes we just can't do everything. And so I was blessed to grow up in a home like that, and I have been the recipient of incredible generosity. But, you know, a lot of times when we think about generosity, the first thing that comes to our mind is maybe finances or maybe money. But I want to say this this morning as we begin. Generosity, generosity is not an amount, it's an attitude. And that's the first thing you need to realize. When we're talking about generosity, there are generous people. And when you're a generous person, it's not just about giving. It's not just about finances. It's about an attitude. It's about the way they carry themselves. It's about the way that they're around other people and they bless other people with their life, with their actions, with their talent, with their time. And, and it's just fun to be around people who are generous people. And one thing I want to say, this First Baptist Church is one of the most generous churches that I have ever been a part of. And I, I say that from the I don't say that because I'm the pastor. Y'all were that way before I got here. I just happened to inherit that, and I'm thankful that I did. But this is absolutely one of the most generous churches I've ever been a part of. And so what we want to talk about today is thankful generosity, what it means to be generous. And I just want to invite everyone in this place today to think about how others have been generous to them and what we can do to be generous to others. And, and as we think about this season of thankfulness, maybe just challenging ourselves to be that much more generous, just that much more. And I say that much more because I know you already are. I, I see it all the time. You know, this video that we just watched happens because of your generosity, because you give and you help children's ministries happen and you help facilities happen and you help staff happen and those type of things at our church. We're able to do ministries like this to where in turn the kids are thankful for the things that they're doing. They mentioned things like camps and wind shapes. You guys gave over $10,000 this last year so that kids could go to camp. I mean, it's just awesome to see the generosity. So I'm excited to talk about this today because I just want to challenge people to say, hey, we can continue to do this and watch the incredible impact that God can have through generosity. Because it's an amount. It's not an amount. It's an attitude. Well, okay, I just blew the whole thing. Let's go home. It's not an amount. It's an attitude. And, and we need to work on having just a, a continual growing attitude of generosity. If you have your Bibles, you can open them with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you don't have it with you, that's okay. These verses will be on the screen and you can follow along. But Paul writes this when he's encouraging the Corinthian church to continue in their generosity. He says in verse 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, 
nor under compulsion. For God loves a what? Okay, see? <laughs> they did it in the first service too. And y'all did it here. And every time I've said this verse from the pulpit, it's the same thing. And how it was the same thing. They did a little better just because there's a little, few more of them. But it says, God loves a cheerful giver. I mean, that's what we get. All, it's just like cheerful. So, so we need to be a little more excited because God loves a there you go. All right. We got that. That's awesome. And it's true. God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. And Paul goes on to say this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I just want to stop there for a moment. Anybody like fruit? Like I'm looking forward to fruit salad at Thanksgiving, among many other things. But I feel healthier when I eat a little bit of fruit salad, right? Amen. Okay. And... One of the things I've noticed about fruit is most of the fruit, if not the vast majority of the fruit that I eat, it has a seed in it somewhere, right? But when we eat the fruit, we, we tend to eat the fruit, and if it's an apple or something, then I'm going to take that part that's got the core and it's got the seed, and usually what do we do with it? We throw it in the trash. What would happen to that seed, honestly, if we were to take it out in the backyard and start burying a bunch of those seeds out in the backyard? Eventually, what would happen? It would grow, Right? So see, this illustration here is a great reminder here when, when Paul is saying, look, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, it's just something to think about, that God continually provides us seeds that we either consume or we throw away or we plant and they grow something. It's just something to think about that, that God has an endless storehouse of seed that he gives to those that do good things with it. And he, he had that illustration at first, those who sow sparingly, reap sparingly. You don't plant a lot of seed, you don't grow a lot of things. But if you plant lots of seed, you may grow lots of things. So there's this whole illustration that's here of just this idea that God gives us something and we either have the choice that we're going to consume it all or we have the choice that we just kind of throw it away or we have a choice to plant it in something and see it grow. And so this is this idea of generosity. Verse 11, he says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. You'll be enriched so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. See, we just saw that in this video. Through those kids, your generosity resulted in thanksgiving to God because they were all able to say, I'm thankful for these things that have happened. Verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God. For the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God to his for his indescribable gift. Now, in studying for this, you know, I'm looking at some different, some different versions. And I love the way that the message version shares 2 Corinthians 9 
and 10, it, it, chapter 9, verses 10 and 11, it says it this way. The most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than, extra, than extravagant with you. He gives you something that you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. So what this is saying is that we have a God who blesses us so that we can turn around and bless other people with the blessings that we have. And that's this incredible invitation that God gives us to, we get to spend other people's money. It's all God's. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And he at times says, I want to give you this part of my creation so that you can take care of it and so that you can use this to bless other people with. Isn't that an incredible thing? That we get to be a part of God's generosity and God's blessing. But why, why do we miss out on that sometimes? Why is it that sometimes, man, life just gets in the way or we get burdened or we get troubled or we get scared at times and we, and we tend to lose sometimes our generosity? Maybe we've been generous before and we've got burned on a few things. Maybe, maybe we're just tired. So I want to talk first, before we talk how to be more generous, let's talk about some barriers to generosity. Just real quick so that we understand these. There's three barriers I want to point out today. The first barrier to generosity is this. It's control. Control. When we feel like that we have to be in control of everything from the beginning to the end, then it, it, we, we tend to back off our generosity. We tend to look at people and we, and we tend to say, well, I'd like to be generous to you, but you can, I'm only going to be generous to you if you will. And we put these contingencies on it. Or, you know, I, I gave something to this person in the past and they didn't do what I thought they should do with it. And so, therefore, I'm going to stop being generous to that person. That's control. And there's nowhere that we see control in this passage that Paul was saying. He said everything that you had came from God, and he gave it to you so that you could be generous to other people and that everybody could be blessed. Don't you love it when somebody opens your present at Christmas? You're looking going, that's awesome. I got that for you. It's great. I'm excited about that. But when you come to the party and you don't have a gift, you're like, I hope they don't notice I didn't bring anything. You see what I'm saying? This generosity thing is actually a lot of fun. And, and when we try to control it, when we try to limit it because we think that we have to know what it is from beginning to end, we, we put a barrier up for us being generous. You see, God understands that he is freely generous with us. And there are times that I think I would have to confess, I won't pick on you this morning, that God has been generous to me, but maybe I didn't do the right thing with the way that he was generous to me. But I'm so glad he didn't come back and go, well, Linda, you blew that. You didn't do what I wanted to that time, so we're just going to stop giving to you because we're going to try to control this this way. No, God continues to freely give to me even when I don't deserve it at times. And even when I do the wrong things with it at times because generosity is part of who God is. And as we grow and be, become people who are more like Christ, that's the idea of being a Christian, then we need to grow in our generosity as well. And honestly, generosity, if you look at it as God gives we receive and we give it away, the real action here is that God gives and what do we do with it? It's not that we give it away and what do they do with it. When we're looking this way at generosity, we tend to lose our generosity. But when we look and say, God, you continue to give so that I can bless others, that's when we'll continue in our generosity. It needs to be beyond our control. The other thing about control is I kind of hope that God can do more than what I think he can do with what I give him. Because if I limit God to I'm going to give so I see this happen, 
and I don't see this happen, so I'm not going to give anymore, then I'm limiting the miracles that God can do, which are littered all over this passage that we just wrote about how God can take this gift and use it and turn it into something where people give praise to God because of your generosity. Isn't that awesome? The second barrier that happens to generosity, it's real simple. It's real practical, actually. It's a lack of planning. Let's just be honest. We don't necessarily get up and naturally think, how can I bless someone else today? Where can I give some of my stuff away today? We tend to wake up and go, what do I need? What do I have to take care of? i got to go to work. i got to go to school. I've got to do this. And life just gets in the way, and we tend not to plan to be generous. Now, I have to tell you, this is, this is something that it's taken me a lifetime to learn, and I continue to learn. And I would honestly be able to maybe go back about 12 to 15 years where I would go. I really started learning some of these lessons about then. And one of the things that happened is I just flat out realized that we never planned to be generous, and so therefore we weren't generous. Now, listen, we gave, but we weren't generous. We gave because we felt like this was this is what you do. You give as a Christian, but we never planned anymore. So about, I don't know, about a dozen years ago, Julie and I were praying, and we said, all right, let's, let's just see what happens. And we set aside every pay period we set aside about $25 to $50 that we just said, we're just going to plan. We're going to put this over here, and we're going to see if God gives us some opportunity to be generous. I can't even get it out without laughing because it was like, <laughs> there were so many opportunities that God gave us just because we set a little bit aside and said, show us what we can do to be generous. We were giving scholarships to kids that go to camp. We were helping people go on mission trips. We were paying for groceries for people. We were doing just by setting a little bit aside above and beyond what we already gave. But just saying, God, show us what we can do to be generous. And it's an amazing thing. When you planned for it, it was amazing how God just showed you how it can happen. But most of the time, we just don't plan for it. And so, therefore, we don't have the ability to be generous. And the last thing is this. It's just real, let's call it what it is. It's selfishness. We spend it all on ourselves. We eat it all ourselves. We do it all ourselves. We want more for ourselves. And so, therefore, we don't have the ability to be generous because we're selfish. There's a beautiful story of this in Scripture that Jesus speaks much more eloquently than I can. And I'll just read his words. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13. He says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I'm going to pause right there. Um, my parents passed away about 11 years ago. And I've met with people who've lost people or are trying to figure out inheritance and stuff. It's ugly. There are times when it just flat out brings out the absolute worst in people where relationships are broken for a long, long time because of the way that people are just trying to figure out how to. And I was so thankful for my brothers and sisters, just miraculously, the way that this worked out for us. Part of it was dividing nothing by four is nothing. But the other part of that was just the attitude in which we we all approach that because I've just seen this happen. And and I just want to say it's not about an amount. It's about an attitude, and we either trust in God. I don't trust in my parents to take care of me. I trusted in God to take care of me, and so it kind of helps with some of this, but maybe some of you have been in that where, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I bet everybody in the crowd went, at that point in time. Verse 14, Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, the crowd, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. 
And then he told them this parable. A certain, the ground of a certain rich man, but here we are back to seeds, yielded an abundant harvest. And the rich man thought to himself, what am I going to do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my little barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for plenty of years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. And then look at these words. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Let me ask you that question. Who's going to get what you've prepared for yourself when you're no longer here? Let me give you the answer. Someone else. Someone else. You can work your whole life to build up a mass of possessions and a mass of a bank account, and there is nothing wrong with that. I believe that God has gifted some people in business and in, in finance and in other things because God just blesses some people in that way. And it is, there is nothing wrong with being rich, financially rich, because generosity is not about an amount. It's about an attitude. And therefore, there are people who have an abundance of wealth. But what we see here, the problem wasn't that the man had an abundance of wealth. What did he do with it? He said, wow, God blessed me, and I've got so much stuff. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a bigger barn. I'm going to go and rent more storage units. I'm going to build a bigger house. I'm going to drive bigger, and I'm going to keep more of my stuff to myself. Where God was saying, you now have the ability to bless so many more people, but yet you're just keeping it here. So let me teach you how this works. Eventually, you take a last breath. And when you take a last breath, all this stuff that you amassed and all the stuff that you worked for, it's going to somebody else anyway. And let me tell you what's a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun when you can look them in the eye and go, I'd like to give this to you. Because then you get to enjoy it. Because when you're dead, it's not real fun. You just don't get that same enjoyment out of those type of things. And so this is what... God is trying to say. And in verse 21 it says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. I, I chuckle about some of the way that people approach giving to the church. Now let me just say, I'm talking about generosity today. I'm not just trying to give you to get you to give more to the church. All right? Fine if you want to. But uh, that's not it. But I chuckle sometimes when people say, well, I, I gave to the church but now I make a lot of money. And, you know, I don't know that I want to give that much more to the church. I mean, you don't want to expand the ministries. You don't want to reach more people. You don't want to do more in missions. You, you don't think the church can. That goes back to that control, that other barrier about this. You know, if you're a generous person, this is what I'm saying. You're, you're giving, and, and you're allowing God to, to plant those seeds and do what he's going to do. And he says, this is what it's going to be with those who store up things for themselves, but it's not rich toward God. So what does it mean for us to be rich toward God? How do I grow that generous heart? Let's talk about some of the positive things. First of all, I grow a generous heart by this. I have to be thankful. Okay? That's the, first, that's the first step toward a generous heart. I have to be thankful. Why? Because God loves a cheerful heart. Hey, there we go. Cheerful givers. These people are more cheerful than y'all are. I just want y'all to know than that. That's okay. But God loves a cheerful giver. And here's, here's what I've figured out this week. It is possible to give and not be generous. Right? It is. But it is impossible to be generous and not give. So you can give without being generous, 
But you cannot be generous and not give. What's the difference? The difference is attitude. You cannot be grumpy and generous. It just, they don't go together. When you're a generous person, it's just exciting. It excites you to give. It excites the person to receive. There is just blessings all around. And that begins on a foundation of thankfulness. That begins on a foundation that says, I am so thankful for what I have, for where I am, for the people around me, for how God's blessed. Philippians 4.11, the last part of that verse says this. Paul writes, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. There's a challenge for us all. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. This is okay. This car is just fine. It still drives. This house is good. This job is good. These things are, I am content. However God wants to grow, that's fine. But I can be content and I can continue to grow my generous heart with what I have now when I am thankful. Second thing that we do to grow a generous heart is this. I give to meet needs, not to keep score. I'm going to let that sink in for just a little bit. I give to meet needs, not to keep score. And I'll tell on myself, I used to give and remember every penny that I gave to every person and wait to see what was going to happen with that penny that I gave to that person. And I had to reach a point in my life where I just was able to give and never expect it to come back. Because if not, it was destroying my relationships. I would go to Thanksgiving and go, he owes me money, and he owes me money, and I helped you out the other day, and you know. And I also used to sit there, and I hear maybe, maybe I'm just telling too much. I make this much. You make this much. Why am I paying for your? I used to just struggle with that stuff. I used to keep score on everything with that. And then I learned the secret. You give just to give. You give to meet the need. If there's a need there, meet it. If there's a need and you can meet it, meet it. Don't keep score about it. Don't keep score about it. So do for this is something that Andy Stanley taught in one of his talks, so I'll give him credit. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. Now, why would I say that? Because there's a lot of times where we say that, well, I can't give because, you know, if I give to this person and I don't give to this person over here, if I give something to my sister and then my brother's going to call and he's going to want, and then I'm, so I'm just not going to give to anybody. No, no, no. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. That's the example of generosity. We don't have to keep score on it. If you can see a need and you can meet it, then do it. That's what we need to do. James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 says this. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about the physical needs. What, what good is that? And that's a serious question. What good is that? If they're hungry and they don't have clothes on their back, hey, praying for you. I, not to belittle prayer at all, but you need to put some action behind that. And if there's some way that you can meet that need, you can do it. Proverbs 22.9 says this, The generous themsel- will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. So generosity is not about keeping score. Now I'm going to give another thing of keeping score. All right, my wife's over here, so I've got to turn my back right here so I don't have to see her on there. So we're entering Christmas, okay? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want all the parents in here. Parents, you're going to buy some Christmas presents. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right. Parents with multiple children, raise your hand. Okay. You do not have to buy the same amount of gifts for each child. So I would tell you, amen. Thank you. I got some applause. Different children, different needs, different desires, different wants. 
It's okay. If your children are counting, you got four presents and I got three, you have an opportunity to explain to them generosity and different things like that. I go back to this and I've updated it now that I'm back in Texas. You know, fair is a place that you ride rides and eat fried food. That's the fair. We went there in October. Fair is not, it's not this overarching biblical value that we see it all the time. See, God wasn't fair. We, we sinned, and so therefore, God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pave the way to cover our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. Where's fair in that? That's not fair. And sometimes we displace this idea of fair of thinking everything has to be even and everything has to be balanced. There was one point in, in our lives where, and Becca's sitting here, so you're about to find out something. There was one point in our lives where we had a four-year-old and a, a newborn age in the house at Christmas. Which one cared about Christmas more? Four-year-old. Which one had no clue that it was even Christmas? The newborn. Guess how many presents I bought the newborn that year? Zero. Because I knew Grammy and Granddad were going to buy her so many presents that I didn't have to. She's going to want me to make up for this now this year. Life's not fair, babe. That's how it is. Life's not fair. So this is what I'm saying. You have to think about these things. You don't have to get caught up in this. Well, I can't do this for this person, so I can't do this for that person. And they keep it. No, it's not about keeping score. It's not about that. It's about being generous. It's about just moving forward. Okay? Now, the next thing that we do to grow a generous heart is this. I need to plan my generosity. We talked about this earlier kind of in the opposite way that we don't. We're, uh, it's a hindrance to be generous when we don't plan. So, therefore, you have to plan. And the first plan for generosity is very simple. You cannot be generous if you spend everything that you have on yourself. That's just the simple truth. You cannot be generous if you spend everything you have on yourself. Or we can take it to the American version. You cannot be generous if you spend more than you have on yourself with credit and everything. Oh, I can just pay this. I can do this bill. I can balance this. You have to build margin into your time. You have to build margin into your talents. You have to build margin into your finances for you to be generous. Now, there are some people who are at different stages of life, and sometimes different stages of life allow different levels of generosity. That's the truth. Sometimes there are times when you're paying doctor bills and kids' visits and, you know, school this and that and that. And remember, generosity is not an amount. It's an attitude. So attitude says, hey, I know that we've got a lot of these things going on in my family right now, but I still want to build some margin to be generous. That's great. Because what that's going to grow into later is, wow, look how much more margin I have and how much more generous I can be. Or we could follow the fool's version that says, wow. Look how much more margin I have. I can build bigger barns. I can have better things. I can do this. No, God's going to continue to bless us if we will continue to do the right things with what he has for us. Build margin into your life so that you can be a blessing for other people. Luke chapter 12, verse 33 says this. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. You see, now I have a belief. Now when I say that, for those of you who are visitors or whatever, when I preface something and I say I believe, that means you don't have to believe it. I'm just telling you how I kind of interpret some stuff. It's not necessarily foundational to our faith, but it's just something that I've come to believe. I believe that God will not bless us beyond what we're prepared to receive because if he would, it's not a blessing. 
And I want you to think about that for a minute. God will not bless us beyond what we're prepared to receive. Let me give a non-financial example of this, okay? We know that if we want to share the good news of the gospel with this community and we want to be able to disciple and take care of people, that we have to have small groups. We just had a whole series where we're talking about connecting with one another people in groups so that you can know someone, so that they can know you, so that you can be cared for, all right? So we know that if we prepare ourselves and maybe two or three people step up and say, I'm, I'm willing to start a, another group. I want to start a Sunday school class. I want to start a small group. Do you believe that if somebody steps up like that, that God's going to bless that and provide people to fill that? Every time that's happened in this church, I've had people step up and go, I feel like I want to start a class for, and you fill in the blank. And there have been times in my head that I go, why? Because you just think, why would you start a class for that? And it is amazing that God puts that on their heart, they step out, they prepare, they start a class. Three, four weeks later, there's seven, eight people in that class. And I'm going, I didn't even know these existed. And you know these people had a need. And God does that. Let's flip it the other way. Let's say 100 students showed up this Sunday, this Sunday, up in the student ministry. Would that be a blessing? Kind of. Kind of not. Because if we don't have the teachers and we don't have the people who are willing to invest in their life, it's not a blessing. Because then we just have a bunch of students who are saying, hey, I'm willing to come here and be loved and be cared for and stuff, but, oh, you can't meet that need, so eventually I'm going to wander off with that. You see what I'm saying? If we'll prepare, I do believe that God will lay out the blessings in front of it. I, I just believe that. But I also believe if we're not prepared, whether it be financially, whether it be spiritually, whether it be mentally, whether it be physically, then God's not going to pour out a blessing that we can't handle. If not, it just goes to waste. If he does. So I just believe that's true. And so there's a principle that happens here. Now, again, I've already said there's different people, different stages in life. But here's a truth. If you can't be generous making $10,000 a year, you're not going to be generous making $100,000 a year. Because it's not about an amount. It's about an attitude. And generosity doesn't happen by you saying, man, one day when I win the lottery, I'm going to bless this church like nobody's been. No, you're not. Because you're not, you're not, you're, that's not in your heart right now. You have to grow this in your heart. And you have to see that I have to plan to be generous. And so let me just, let me just say this. If you're, here's why I can say this. I'm just going to share this, okay. Our, our average attendance for our church, ups and downs through all the type of stuff, 260, 270 people. We have 249 consistent givers to the church. That's why I can stand up here today and go, let's talk about generosity because I know I'm not stepping on anybody's toes because the vast majority of you are giving. Those of you who are not, we're just inviting you to join us because this is a lot of fun seeing what God's doing. But those who are giving, here's what I would challenge. We want to continue to grow in the grace of giving. And so whatever God's laying on your heart to be able to take a next step forward in that, we, we want to be able to do that. We want to be able to continue to grow and see what God can do as we continue to give more with him because it's not about an amount, it's about our attitude. And this is so important in Scripture that honestly this week was about, okay, I'm not going to use these Scriptures. I'm not going to use it. Was, it was weeding down of going, there's so much that the Bible says about generosity and giving and how it reflects our heart and our faith. It's unbelievable. Paul was talking to Timothy about how to lead in the church and how to pastor the church. And he wrote these words in 1 Timothy. He said, command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything 
for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. It's a whole lot of fun to be a blessing to other people, which leads us to the last point, this. I'll give unconditionally. When we give, you can't have strings attached to it. You can't have these ideas for it. When we give, God just invites us to be a blessing to someone, and and you can't have all this control on it. I will give unconditionally. And that's modeled right out of one of the verses we use here all the time at First Baptist Church, Romans 5.8, is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ didn't make us meet any conditions before he freely gave his life to us. He said, I will give to you unconditionally because you have a need and because I love you. And that's the model that we need to follow. You see, God is a God that looks at our hearts, not, as our, not at our results. And, and that's tough. I'll just say, I sit with businessmen all the time. That's tough. Because businessmen are, just have this natural, thing. I just need to see the results. I need to see this investment. I need to see it's going somewhere. And sometimes God says, I just need you to give and don't worry about it. And that's just the truth sometimes. And that's tough for us sometimes because we want to see. But we need to give unconditionally, no strings attached, because God's picture and God's plan is always bigger than what we can see. It always is. And we trust him with it. In 2 Corinthians 8, 7, he says this, Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. See, here's the big picture. That God gives abundantly to us so that we can bless others. Do you believe that God could do it himself? I do. I believe God's powerful enough to do it himself. So why wouldn't he just do it himself? Because he invites you and I to be part of it and enjoy the blessing that it is to be able to be generous to others and to be able to supply the needs of others and to be able to help and connect and be together with other people. And I'm thankful that God allows us to be a part of his blessing and that he calls us to generosity. Your last blank there on your outline is a phrase you may have heard before. You make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. You make a living by what you get, you make a life by what you, by what you give. So my prayer is that you would grow in the grace of giving and generosity to those around you, that you'd be a blessing to your neighborhood, you'd be a blessing to your work, that you'd be a blessing to your church, a blessing to your family, and that God would abundantly supply for you more than you could ever possibly imagine so that you could continue to bless others. But we just need to get our hearts in the right place to be able to do that. So I just want to pray for us today. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray that God would, would show us and challenge us with our generosity, ways that we could step forward with him. And I also just want to invite you, as we have this time of reflection in this moment, maybe God's laid something else on your heart that you want prayer for or you have a need for. Or maybe you just have questions about the church or something. Then we're going to have this response time. And you, you can come to the front and our pastor or staff will pray with you. We'd love to do that. Or maybe you don't feel comfortable doing it now. We'll be here after the service as well. But as, as we just play this song here for just a moment, if God's laid something on your heart and you want someone to pray with you or maybe you just want to deal with God right where you are just challenge let him challenge you to what the next step is and can we model our generosity after his 
in the way that he extravagantly loves us with all that he is. God, we love you. We pray that during this response time, this reflection, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would draw us close to you and challenge us today to be more like you each day. It's in your name that we pray.